Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is getting up to use the bathroom at the stadium. Excuse me? Excuse me? Oh, sorry. Excuse me? You mind if I just squeeze by here? This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. Guys, it's race week again. It's a hat trick. Kunal, triple headers. Absolutely love them, right? Yes, I absolutely love them. Hi guys, it's great to be back with Mithila this time. There's Somil joining me in a few minutes from now. But, you know, talking of triple headers, if Formula One considered a quadruple header, I think that's when the law of diminishing marginal utility will genuinely be tested. How much is too much? Yes, but this weekend, the race is in Budapest. It's Mithila's favorite city in Europe. I know that. It is. It's my favorite city and I love being in Budapest for a holiday. It's a fantastic place to be. You know, given your love for Budapest, it's really strange that we've actually not been to the Hungaro Ring for a Grand Prix yet. Now we should change that soon. Yes, so hopefully the Hungaro Ring sometime in the future. But for now, it's what's what it's what we're going to discuss in this week's episode. Uh, you know, Mithila's got a few stories that she's been tracking in the last week. The triple headers means a triple the amount of stories. I hope, Mithila, that's what the viewers hope Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. And then, like I said, you know, the pits to podium segment is back with Somil, Somil and I discussing. Uh, you know, telling you five things to look forward to for the Hungarian Grand Prix. Awesome. And guys, if you like our content, please give us a review and a rating on whichever app you listen to us on. Okay, Kunal, so time for our first story. This involves Racing Point, actually. And this is not about the protest from Renault. Let me just put it out there. I mean, the court will hear that out and all of that. So let's not talk about that just yet. I frankly am so shocked at, you know, this wide scale of reporting that Sebastian Vettel could be on his way to Racing Point and, wait for this, Sergio Perez could be out. It just sounds so absolutely crazy. Ridiculous. And, you know, I've said this before and I'm going to say it again, that Lawrence Stroll's fatherly instincts need to be separated from his businessman instincts. I mean, this is if he wants his fortunes to grow as a team owner uh, in Formula One. I mean, last weekend, Kunal, that was a great example, you know, as to why Racing Point should keep Sergio Perez. He started 17th, he finished 5th, and he finished ahead of Lance Stroll. So what I'm, of course, hearing people say, and what I, I feel you say as well, that it's okay if Fettel goes to Racing Point, but it shouldn't be at the cost of Sergio Perez. That's the strange That's exactly part. exactly what I'm saying. And, you know, if that does happen... It would mean that Racing Point has let go of two really fast and well-recommended drivers just to keep Lance Stroll in, in his seat, you know. So they let go of Esteban Ocon in 2018, as we know. And now it could well be Sergio Perez's turn. That's a good point. And I mean, um, I think our listeners already know that Kimi Raikkonen is my favorite driver. Uh, but guys, maybe y'all don't know that, you know, the driver in the, my second favorite, um, the, like, spot has always been Sergio Perez. Because Kunal, I think he has this knack of just 
pulling out results um, unexpectedly where no one else really could have. I agree. And I think it's going to be a big blow to Formula One if Sergio Perez doesn't have a drive in 2021. You know, if Perez is paid to go, I'm just trying to wonder where he could go to. And the only option that sort of sticks to my head could be, say, Alfa Romeo. But uh, again, you know, just how many drivers are Alfa Romeo going to be able to keep attracting despite having a mediocre package? And this is, of course, what Renault's been doing as well. You know, mediocre package, but, you know, big names are coming their way. That's true. That's true. But let's do the map for Alfa Romeo. So there's Giovinazzi and Raikkonen, of course. They're two existing drivers. And I think, you know, at some point they always wonder when is the next Ferrari junior driver going to sort of graduate to Formula One using the Alfa Romeo seats? And there's Mick Schumacher, there's your other favourite, Robert Schwartzman. He's awesome. Yes. And, uh, you know, if these guys finish top three in this year's uh, F2 championship, uh, I think they'll be eligible. They'll be on the radar as well. And, uh, you know, with Checo Perez joining this list of drivers, Alfa Romeo could have like five drivers to choose from. And I think, Kunal, we can also add a sixth driver, uh, your favourite, Nico Hulkenberg, <laughs> because he might be looking for a way to, you know, get back into Formula One. Yeah, and, and here's, here's a bit of history. So Perez started his career with Sauber. Nico Hulkenberg has raced in Sauber. So given how reunions keep happening in Formula One, one doesn't know how this is... Cannot you know, be surprised. Yes, but, you know, guys, this is just uh, a lot of speculation... What it seems like is every everyone is trying to drop another driver to just keep Sebastian Vettel in Formula One. And, you know, right right now it's like either, hey, let's drop Alex Albin and give the seat, seat to Vettel or, hey, let's uh, drop Sergio Perez and, you know, hire Sebastian Vettel. So that's seemingly like the mantra. It is. And by the way, guys, I think the last time Christian Horner spoke about a driver staying a full season was Pierre Gasly in 2019. And we all know what happened there. Yeah, I mean, at this moment, uh, I think Red Bull Racing and Racing Point aren't alone in their interest in Sebastian Vettel. You know, Gunther Steiner has said that Haas could welcome Sebastian Vettel if that's the case. <laughs> it just sounds like peer pressure now. <laughs> so there is space for Vettel. It just, it just depends how slow a car does he want to start off with, you know. And the slower a car he starts off with, the more he can show in term, terms of progress. Saying, hey, I, I took this car this far up the grid. <laughs> but, you know, I guess... Our laugh is enough to just explain how we feel about, you know, this whole fatal racing point uh, and, and Sergio Perez incident. It is very strange, but I'll be honest, if there's one driver, uh, you know, someone I'm okay with uh, losing his seat, I think it's going to be Lance Stroll. And, there, somebody uh, said it. Yeah, I'm sorry if any of our listeners are like Lance Stroll fans. I'm sorry if Lawrence Stroll is listening to our podcast. But let's just say he's not as, um, he's not shining as brightly as some of the other F1 stars out there. Absolutely. And he has had, I would say, multiple opportunities in the sport because he's Lawrence Stroll's son. Yes, and uh, Lawrence Stroll is in Formula 1 because he wanted to further his son's career in the sport, as we all know, and so on, right? So, so unless Lawrence Stroll actually pays for Lance to race in another team, I don't really see Lance... Uh, making way for Vettel, as logical as it sounds to pretty much all of us, barring maybe two His dad. Two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So let's move on to the next topic. And this is a really fun one, actually. Kunal, let's talk about Lando Norris. His last lap antics 
So much fun to follow. Scenario 7. That's the term that's going to get popular along the way. (laughs) Just the way Multi-21 got popular. But for all the good reasons, Indeed. And I'm also going to say hats off to Formula 1, actually. Because, you know, they release these videos on social media. Uh, I love, um, you know, the engineer's contribution via the radio. I mean, that is one angle of the sport that doesn't come up as much during the live broadcast. So it was good to see in the video. Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, Norris's engineer is like that wingman, you know, that you like to get to see in Hollywood movies. You know, the guy. Actually, yeah. yeah. Like the guys who have the blueprint of every building and then they'll be on the radio saying, okay, go take the stairs. Okay, then turn right. Uh, you'll see a blue knob, go press it and then it'll open a door, you know, on the left of the alley. So go to that door and then there's another knob in red and then go press it. And then guess what? It will play the Inside Line F1 podcast. You know, some <laughs> something like that that his engineer just kept doing. And I, I, I loved it. I was wondering where you were going with this, actually. It sounded like an audition, you know, uh, for a Hollywood script or something. But well played. But Good I man. will not audition to being a wingman. I'm too used to being number one wherever I go. Fine. <laughs> but you know what? You're right. Coming back to Lando Norris. Uh, you know, the limelight is on him. He's third in the Drivers' Championship. I mean, I would have never thought that would have been possible. I'm sure he's soon <laughs> going to get a milk brand as his, you know, sponsor or his personal, personal endorsement. And Kunal, I would have never imagined that he would have headbutted a bird. He also did that. <laughs> you know, it's one of those rare instances where a bird's reflexes were beaten by the speed of a Formula One car. Now, usually when we see, uh, you know, these these instances in slow motion videos, you know, it's like the birds are, you know, trying to get out of, uh, you know, being hit, uh, you know, just by flapping their wings in all these weird directions. And we've seen these beautiful slow-mo videos, but this time the bird just failed. Yeah. Know? So it was funny because uh, uh, Lando had butted a bird and then Charles Leclerc butted Uh, into Sebastian Vettel's Ferrari. Before we go on to Ferrari, you know, I I just remembered the bird who probably was head-butted by Lando Norris was probably the Roman Groschon of the birds. Or the Lance Strolls of the birds. Sorry, guys, I just had to say it. Below the belt. Yes. (laughs) But uh, speaking of both those two incidents, you know, uh, Lando Norris and Charles Leclerc, I think the radio messages that beamed after the two Ferrari drivers crashed that was damn interesting. Like, Wettel said that he didn't know who hit him. Yes. And uh, Leclerc was only concerned about, you know, his car damage. And there was no apology really aired on the uh, Pitocar radio. At least it wasn't broadcast on live TV. So, if it happened, we don't know. There's a good disclaimer before you are piled onto. Yes, but that actually made it to my notes because... Leclerc was literally pleading Ferrari, can you please tell me what is the damage to my car? Is there damage to the rear? Can you like, please tell me the damage to my car? And it, it sounded like, oh my God, I need to really know. And it is it, it, like, it, I think that incident showed two really distinct sides of Leclerc. One was, you know, he was very mature after when he, you know, he tweeted his apology but he was also very childlike and like, oh my God, has my car broken? <laughs> Am I Can in I? trouble? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, Ferrari should have just radioed back to him and told him, Charles, your car is less damaged than Sebastian's. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Given how, you know, comparative the whole Ferrari scenario is right oh, now. Oh, yes. But but I, I, I will agree that, you know, uh, Charles was quick to tweet his apology and it's good that he did that. So credit where credit is due. 
And Kunal, speaking of radio antics, we have to talk about Kimi Raikkonen because his antics were back to, uh, you know, on the last lap of the race, uh, he, you know, he, no, he asked his engineer if it was the last lap of the race and his engineer took like a couple of seconds to reply and Kimi Raikkonen goes, hello? <laughs> <laughs> that was classic Kimi and I think Formula 1. I think one, we all burst out laughing. Yeah, that, it's just, you know, Formula 1 should retain Kimi Raikkonen just for his radio messages and I'm actually going to start a business, which I'm not going to give the idea out of. But I'm so excited. Like every time Kimi's radio comes up, you never know if it's one of those pearls of wisdoms <laughs> that's going to flow and then remain in our lives. A classic. You know, like, <laughs> leave me alone. I know what I'm yeah. doing. Yeah, one of those classics. Oh, and I also want to talk about the other radio message. And this goes back to the Racing Point drivers, actually. Uh, Lance Stroll's message on, you know, his half attempt to overtake Daniel Ricciardo. Stroll was like, oh my God, he's just so difficult to overtake. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sure Lance Stroll was like, did they really air that message? Why did they do that? And mind you, I must point out that I don't think Checo Perez had any such trouble overtaking Ricardo. Not that we need to make a case in favor of Checo Perez. And that actually just reminds me, you know, uh, Sergio Perez was a part of two really brilliant and unconventional overtakes that we saw in the Styrian Grand Prix. So he pulled off this move on Carlos Sainz, uh, you know, on the outside of uh, turn six. And the other move that really had us like, oh, wow, was when, you know, Max Verstappen re-passed Valtteri Bottas for second place. And this was at turn four. And yeah. fantastic overtakes, even though it was not all that exciting a race. Yeah, yeah. Some really good driving out there. And But Kunal, you know what? I'm going to go back to Sebastian Vettel and the Aston Martin rumours, because I'm not quite done talking about that. Um, I think You're uh, like everyone else in the paddock. Everyone's going to talk about it till the <laughs> end of July. Make all these connections. It is really interesting. But I think it's uh, silly for people to even think that Vettel's waiting for a drive uh, that could come up at Mercedes. And, you know, uh, there are these theories that by being at Racing Point, Vettel will race in a Mercedes customer team and, you know, he'll get close to Toro Wolf and, you know, he'll be positioning himself in the right place. <laughs> Basically, it just feels like people are making any connection. There you go, yes. Way too much time on their hands, despite the triple header. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only connection I really want to make is if Sebastian Vettel drives for Aston Martin and they hire him to be like the next James Bond. Completely Ooh. out of the blue, but, you know, he will be the most old-fashioned Bond of the 21st century. And that's the one thing, if it does happen, that Lewis Hamilton will absolutely be jealous of, given, you know, Hamilton's... He'll be act, burning. You know, acting ambitions and aspirations <laughs> in life. <laughs> the one thing that could pull Hamilton away from Mercedes. <laughs> okay, anyway, final point before I hand it over to uh, you and Sommel to actually discuss the upcoming Hungarian Grand Prix. Kunal, did you notice that Moe and Shandon are back as the champagne partners of Formula 1 and there's no carbon uh, in sight anymore? No, I would have never noticed that, but... Thanks for bringing it to my notice. I think during the podium ceremony, at least I was and pretty much most of you, I'm assuming, were focused uh, on the remote control robot trolleys. You know, they, they took all the attention away from the champagne and I'm definitely not complaining. I loved those yeah, things. Yeah, that was pretty cool, actually. Uh, okay, guys, that's it for me. But uh, I'm going to hand over to Sommel and Kunal uh, and they're going to have the pits to podium segment. Uh, so keep 
staying tuned and miss me and uh, <laughs> this is me Mithila and I will see you guys after the Hungarian Grand Prix as usual till then adios from me thanks Mithila guys stay on this is where the pitch to podium segment you know is going to start any minute now and we're going to look forward to the Hungarian Grand Prix five things to watch out for welcome back everyone to pitch the podium and this particular week the formula 1 circus moves from austria to hungary for the first ever hungarian grand prix of this season now we've had a double header in the formula 1 season so far and you know this hungarian grand prix that we're going to have promises to be quite an entertaining one because lots of teams are coming up with big upgrades and it's a track where certain teams have a big advantage but certain teams don't so what do we have in store for the hungarian grand prix how do you think this is going to pan out I think it's going to be another really exciting weekend. You know, the fact that it's a triple header only makes things more fun. You know, like Lewis Hamilton said, uh, you know, when he won in uh, won the Styrian Grand Prix, that you know he would he can keep doing back to back races. Uh, you know, all all through the year. I think that holds true for you and me as well. We can keep doing back to back videos as it goes. But you know, on a more serious note, triple header, great. Uh, you know, it's going to be a hot and uh, humid budapest so it'll be interesting to see how drivers are able to cope with the the physical challenges as well not that they can't but it's just going to be something that's going to be an additional factor especially because of the long break and suddenly you are into a triple header and and the likes also interesting to see how you know team members are going to cope with uh, you know with the with the pressures that a triple header bring in because let's remember for the drivers it's just getting into the car driving and parking it but for team members there's constant work literally through each day of the week leading up to a grand prix weekend but uh, that's not about it i know you and i have made a list of five things uh, you know that we should look forward to so you want to start by reading out the five things that you know our viewers can uh, expect uh, this weekend absolutely there are quite a few things to watch out for for this hungarian grand prix to expect and it's a circuit that's very mentally challenging But there are quite a few challenges surrounding the world of Formula One at this stage as well, and the five of our topics have a lot to do with the political scenario of Formula One and also what happens on the track. So, firstly, we begin by speaking about Ferrari and Matteo Binotto. All the upgrades are bound to be coming in for the Hungarian GP weekend, and they didn't even have a press conference in Austria. So, we're going to have a quick word about that. We're going to have a word about the pros, uh, the protest. I'm sorry that Renault have made on Racing Point, and the interesting thing is. And Racing Point and Renault are going to be in the same press conference together. I think that's going to be sparks flying over there. And then, of course, we move on to speaking about the form factor for all the drivers, and especially the battle at the very top. And we have to move on to speak about the pecking order with all the teams. And then the favorite part, I think, of every single person watching Formula One this year, the midfield. So, Kunal, let's get down to the very core of it. It's we have to speak about Ferrari now. Again, most popular and most iconic team in the history of Formula One. They get paid. major history bonuses and everyone says that formula 1 is nothing without ferrari and this season there's a genuine fear that ferrari may not really be at the top of their game they may not really be able to compete but there are positive signs it seems for the hungarian gp yeah well you know they've accelerated their upgrades for hungary they brought it to styria i assume that they, you know they would have had lots of data uh, picked up from at least the free practice sessions uh you know and they they would have probably understood how to make their upgrades work better i think the big loss from, from ferrari's uh, double dnf especially literally you know in the first few laps of the race was that they could have picked up more data on how their upgrades are performing in a race situation and the like so they've literally been you know you know put on the back foot not just in terms of constructors championship points but even in terms of just gathering more data to sort of understand their package and make it better but the most interesting part is going to be that 
uh, you know, this is going to be the first time Ferrari are going to be facing the press after their double DNF, um, you know, in, in Austria. And it, it will be interesting to hear what the teams have to say, uh, what the drivers have to say and the likes. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty much looking forward to it because, you know, there, there weren't direct blame games that were made, especially by the team, even though Charles was, you know, mature enough to accept that it was his mistake. But definitely Ferrari's press conferences are going to be extremely headline worthy. So look out for those guys. Absolutely. I mean, there are teams that often send out cryptic messages, but this one, when they're going to be in the press conference, the official one, I think it's going to be quite interesting to see just what they say about the whole scenario and how they're planning to go forward. But Kunal, we also have to speak about another couple of people who will be there at the press conference. So, Otmar Safnau and Cyril Abidbul. Now, we know for a fact that Cyril Abidbul is a man never shy, who, shy, who never shies away, I'm sorry, from a controversy. We saw him at the centerpiece of Drive to Survive and here we are again now that Renault has made a protest on Racing Point. So, we'll discuss the whole matter about Racing Point apparently copying Mercedes' car in a different video. But about the press conference, Kunal, how do you think that's going to go down? Because we know that Cyril is not a man of light words. He, he, he can be pretty feisty at times. He can be so. And I am looking forward to the two team bosses uh, sitting down in front of the world media and addressing questions. I'm sure both teams believe that they're right in, in their approach and in their, uh, in their reasons to protest or you know, defend their protest. But uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting uh, you know, position that Formula One ends up taking as a sport when it comes to customer teams and how to sort of approach this problem. And uh, personally speaking, I, I, you know, I'm loving the fact that Racing Point is as quick as they are because it's just making for so much more interesting uh, you know, racing uh, you know, on tracks. And uh, you know, that said, it of course needs to be within the, the existing regulations and the law. And, you know, in, in some way, I'm sure Cyril and Otmar, you know, Otmar being my former boss at Force India, they'll also be pleased that, you know, this is a very highly controlled media environment with, with you know, questions <laughs> being taken on Thank Zoom goodness. And, and email and the likes. But uh, overall, I think the midfield uh, battle is going to be as interesting as the battle between Red Bull and Mercedes. Like we saw, you know, Red Bull throwing multiple protests at Mercedes, you know, in the first round. So it's 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 uh, it's all up for the fourth place in in the constructors championship, and I absolutely understand why Renault probably want to get some more clarification, uh, you know, with regards to the legality of Racing Point's car. Come on, it's not a clarification, is it? It, it? They're just trying to outlaw the car, but whatever it is, gamesmanship is back after a long time, and thank goodness it is, and it just adds a different element into the world of Formula One and. I think Gunal, this straightaway leads us to our next discussion point, which has to be the midfield. Because normally when you come into a Formula 1 season, you focus on the top teams. You focus on the battle for the championship between a Hamilton and a Hamiltons and a Vettels and a Verstappens. But this year, at least in the first couple of Grand Prix, which happens to be, at least for now, the one-fifth of the opening season, it, I think it's just delivered far more than we all expected it to. I mean, we knew for a fact that McLaren, Renault and Racing Point would be close. But the kind of action that they have provided us so far it's been incredible. So, Hungary, again, it's a small track, tight track. It's one with a lot of medium-paced corners and some slow ones as well. And it's, not, it's a very mentally challenging circuit on the driver's perspective. So, in terms of the teams, how do you expect things to pan out in, in terms of the performance? You know, in, firstly, we, we need to state this up front. And this is data that you and I you know, discussed before recording the video. So, I probably think... Ferrari will be leading the midfield battle. Okay, we've seen them relegated to the <laughs> That's midfield. That's a bold statement. Yeah, 
But I also I'm get, sure their fans would like it. I'm sure their fans <laughs> would like them being called as a part of Formula 1.5. Yeah, so, you know, for all Ferrari fans who are disappointed with their team's performance, I think Hungary might just be that one circuit which aids the, the performance of the SF1000. And I say this because, you know, data from the two Austrian Grand Prix showed that Ferrari were actually really quick in the medium to low speed corners. It's something that even Lando Norris ended up saying, but I'm not making my basis, you know, on, on Lando's statement. Uh, I, I happened to check the data that came out, uh, you know, by Formula One. And, uh, you know, with just an 800 meters straight, all the loss that, you know, Ferrari probably have on the long straights, given the, the issues around their power units, uh, you know, they, that probably gets a little stunted. So I would assume that, you know, Ferrari will be, uh, you know, hopefully breaking out from the midfield battle and challenging, you know, Mercedes and and Red Bull Racing uh, for top honors in on Sunday. Of course, it's it's a very ambitious statement, but I'll put it this way: that more Hungary than any other circuit on the calendar, at least at yeah. this moment, is where Ferrari could have their chance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the one race that comes to mind is the 2017 Hungarian Grand Prix, where the McLaren Honda, with that terrible, I, mean, I, I dare say this, but a terrible power unit. Fernando Alonso still dragged them up to a P5 finish. And I think Hungary is one of those very few tracks where they can actually do that with a rather ailing power unit. So, keeping this in mind, I think even Alfa Romeo could be somewhere near the top or perhaps even Haas because they, we know they've got a good chassis. I think the power unit has compromised them quite a bit. But the upper midfield canal, that's where the whole debate is. People have just, been, have just not been getting enough of the whole battle between Racing Point, Renault and... McLaren, and rightfully so, it's been so entertaining. So, how do you think things will pan out between these three guys and who of them will be the strongest? Because Racing Point, we know traditionally, they've been a team that's dominated on the streets, but will they have the same pace advantage at a tight and twisty circuit like Hungary? You know, it's anybody's guess, to be honest. You know, uh, at the end of the day, we saw that in Austria, all McLaren really needed were the last few laps to go make their magic work, okay? Uh, that said, uh, you know, at least at the second race in Austria, it was Checo Perez who was the quickest of all the midfield drivers. So in Hungary, I'll just be extremely pleased if the same battle continues to exist, you know, yeah, and, and then it just gives us a, a lot more entertainment than, you know, the ones that we've been missing at the front of the field. So I get this feeling that it's, it's really tough to probably make a guess. And uh, like I said, you know, my guess would be that Ferrari might just have a little bit more of an edge over these, you know, top three of the midfield uh, teams. And uh, my money is probably on Racing Point to probably just pull out a little bit more because, you know, given the, the, the design philosophy they've taken, they probably should be able to extract a lot more pace, uh, you know, in the medium and low speed corners in, in uh, Hungary. Yeah, absolutely. And let's just move up a little bit higher on the order because we normally expect Ferrari to be fighting out with these two teams and these two teams are Mercedes and Red Bull. We know for a fact that last year's Hungarian Grand Prix, an absolute classic. Lewis Hamilton was just coming in from the back, was leading the race when they actually made him to go for a rather bold strategy call. And Verstappen then assumed control. But the way Hamilton fought back in the final stages of the race, with an, with an outrageous strategy that Hamilton thought wouldn't work, I think that is one amazing battle that we've got on the cards. Red Bull and Mercedes. Again, Mercedes seem to have the edge, but we don't know what could happen at a circuit like Hungary. And Verstappen, we all know for a fact that in this particular circuit, he's an absolute beast. Absolutely. I think I'm looking forward to Max Verstappen and what he's able to do to pull things out of the bag once again. 
you know, against the Mercedes cars. That said, you know, you know, Lewis is a brilliant driver. He's hit top form last weekend again. Not to say that he wasn't in top form, in your, you know, in race one. Absolutely. He had penalties, uh, you, know, so, you know, around him. But uh, even Valtteri Bottas, you know, he's still leading the Drivers' Championship. I'm pretty sure that he wants to deliver, you know, another stellar weekend to keep sure that, uh, to, to keep his lead in the Drivers' Championship. So, in, in the top three battle, you know, pretty much all three drivers will be raring to go. I would love to see a Bottas, uh, you know, pull off a blinder one more time because, you know, each time he does it, it's just so, it's so smooth, it's so sublime that it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it's pretty Nordic, you know, in his own ways. He'll just do his <laughs> things and he's suddenly, you know, yeah. the driver out on top. But there's another driver, you know, back in, uh, at the back of the grid who I'm excited to track, you know, it's George Russell because, uh, again, Hungary being a driver's circuit, you know, we saw what George could do in, uh, in uh, you know, the Styrian Grand Prix qualifying on, in the wet conditions. So even if, you know, George Russell doesn't sort of get out of Q1, you know, in case it's a dry uh, session, it would still be interesting to see how he's able to sort of deliver a good lap and see what his gap to the other teams and Nicolas Latifi is going to be. So that's another driver I would definitely look out for. Indeed, that's going to be so much fun to watch. And apart from George Russell as well, even just having a look at what Esteban Ocon can do this weekend, or perhaps someone like Antonio Giovinazzi, because Ocon has been out for quite a while. This is a proper driver's track where your engine doesn't really matter as much. And we know that Renault has a bit of an ailing power unit. So what can he do over here? That's going to be interesting to watch. What can Giovinazzi do? Because Alfa Romeo, again, having the same Ferrari power unit issue, we wrote an article on Pitch the Podium explaining what the problem was. And maybe this could be one circuit where they could actually have a strong goal. But Kunal, just before we wrap up this particular video, we are doing a thing here at Pitch the Podium where we actually predict the podium for each race before the qualifying. So what is your top three pick and who do you think is going to be, not, not on the podium as such, but on, on the virtual podium, receiving the trophies from the robotic machines that we've got here delivering <laughs> the trophies now? I think it's going to be the two Mercedes drivers and it's going to be... It's hard to not pick Max Verstappen to be also there on the podium. So we could, you know, very well see the same podium podium trio that we saw last weekend. But that's literally who they are because they are the drivers maximizing the package, you Indeed. know, as we speak. And uh, I'd love to see what the Ferraris are able to do as well, and if they have, if they're going to have an error-free weekend because they really need one. What Absolutely. about you? What are your predictions? Uh, I'm going to make it a bit spicy and add a little bit of chili into it. So I'm going to say that Carlos Sainz is going to be in the podium this time. I have a strong feeling that McLaren are on the up. They're taking all the momentum and I think they are going to be in for a good result. So maybe top five. I mean, top five, I think that's going to be a real possibility. I'm betting on a podium though as well. And apart from that, I think it's really hard to look past the Mercedes drivers. It's, but, but that's the fun of it, Kunal. I mean, we at this stage genuinely have no clue about which team really is second. Okay. The battle for P1, yeah, let's keep that aside for a bit. But we don't know, apart of in the battle between Red Bull, Ferrari, Racing Point, let's say even McLaren at this stage, who really is the top team. And I think that's what Formula 1 is all about at the end. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm happy with the limited unpredictability we have. I mean, you know, like we said... Yeah, it shouldn't just, be like Formula E, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'm happy with the limited, you know, racing that we get. And when I say racing, is, and of course, we get lots of racing with triple headers and the likes. But, uh, you know, we know that it's going to be racing point versus, say, Alexander Albin. Could that, you know, repeat like the, the what the Ferrari drivers could end up doing or what it's going to be between racing point 
uh, McLaren and Renault and the like. So, you know, there, there are battles. You just have to know which ones to follow. And that's mm. why, you know, we are happy to list them out for you on the Pits to Podium channel. Indeed. Once again, folks, thank you so much for watching this video and see you after the Hungarian Grand Prix where we discuss and dissect this entire race. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Kunal. Thanks, Samal. Bye-bye. Pros bring something extra to every job. Now at the Home Depot, they also get something extra. Pro Extra, our free loyalty program built for pros just like you. Members earn perks with every dollar spent, like Pro Extra dollars, a tool rental credit, and more. New members get $20 off their next in-store purchase of $200 or more just for signing up. Learn more at homedepot.com slash pro extra. New year, more rewards, Pro Extra, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.